Well, hello and welcome to the Jazz Focus. My name is John Clark and thank you for joining us. We tend to focus on some focused elements of jazz recorded history to give you a little bit more of an insight on what was happening at any certain time or place. And today we're going to be playing uh, the music of the great boogie-woogie pianist Pete Johnson. We're going to focus in on some of the things that he did in the 1940s. In fact, most of the recordings we're going to hear come from 1946, although we have a little sort of cadenza at the end of Two Tunes in 1940. Pete Johnson was born in 1904 in Kansas City, and he was kind of the archetypal uh, boogie-woogie pianist, uh, I would have to say. He uh, came up as a a drummer, uh, but he learned to play piano in the 1920s, and he was active in the very uh, exciting uh, dance band and jazz scene in Kansas City in the 20s and 30s. And this was during Prohibition, of course. It was ruled by Tom Prentergast, who was a a, a mob boss and a a politician. He kind of ran the, the entertainment industry in Kansas City, and uh, the Prendergast regime, as it was called, was integral in uh, having um, music or giving musicians work for the time. He ran the speakeasies and pretty much controlled all of that uh, seamier element of, of, of society in Kansas City. And the musicians generally, I think, spoke pretty highly of him. They, uh, they received good pay and steady work from these places, and they also received some protection as well. Chicago musicians also had good things to say in general about Al Capone for the same reasons. So Pete Johnson started playing in various clubs and and so forth, playing this style of boogie-woogie piano, which was really uh, kind of a folk style. Uh, It was a simplified version of stride piano and ragtime. It was based in the blues. It featured a a very volatile and moving bass line, which was uh, great for dancing at the time. You could have one piano player uh, playing for a dance or a whole engagement, um, and uh, it was very energetic and uh, enthusiastic and so forth. It wasn't too well known outside of the Southwest during the 1920s. It wasn't until the 1930s that uh, some people began to take notice of the handful of recordings that had been done by boogie-woogie piano players from the late 1920s on. People like Clay Custer and uh, Jim Clark and Meadlux Lewis and especially Pinetop Smith uh, made some recordings that were considered to be classics uh, even uh, in the 1930s, five or six years after they had been made. By 1936 or 37, John Hammond, who was the great jazz critic and entrepreneur and promoter and so forth, began to look around in the Southwest. He took tours out there. He started listening to the radio and listening to different musical groups and styles that uh, he could bring back to New York. And in fact, he did bring or send Count Basie's band from Kansas City to uh, New York by way of Chicago and Pittsburgh in 1936. He also heard some of these boogie-woogie piano players, and in 1938, he put on a concert at Carnegie Hall in December, around Christmas time, that he called the Spirituals to Swing concert, and what it was was essentially kind of a a roots music concert uh, of African-American styles, and he had uh, spirituals and gospel groups, he had work songs, he had country blues, he had classic blues, New Orleans jazz, uh, swing combos, big bands, and also boogie-woogie pianists. And he 
imported for that concert three piano players from Chicago uh, who were active in Chicago. Pete Johnson, Albert Ammons, and Mead Lux Lewis. And they uh, became one of the big hits of that concert, and uh, it developed into an engagement for the three of them playing at the Cafe Society in New York. And uh, at the same time, they started making recordings together and separately for uh, Decca, RCA Victor, and especially for Blue Note. And Boogie Woogie became quite a craze at that point. Big bands started playing Boogie Woogie numbers and uh, became quite a quite a going concern. Pete Johnson stayed in New York after that for the most part. Albert Ammons uh, eventually returned to Chicago and Meadlux Lewis toured around. Uh, they had difficulties in uh, the 1950s making a living. In fact, Albert Ammons had passed away by then. Uh, but in the 1940s, they were pretty much in demand. And Pete Johnson uh, in New York was in demand as a recording artist, recording with a variety of different blues-based and swing bands as well. He was reasonably comfortable playing in bands. He was probably a little bit more uh, versatile than the other two piano players in that regard. So we're going to be listening uh, first to a series of eight recordings that were made on January 26th of 1946 for Savoy Records. And this is one of the first concept albums, so-called, because the tracks were all united in a certain theme. Now, we've played podcasts or done podcasts in the past that were based around some of the first jazz comp uh, uh, compilation uh, and concept albums that were done for Decca in 1939 and 40 by George Avakian. He did three different ones that were devoted to the music of New Orleans, Chicago, and Kansas City. And Pete Johnson figured quite prominently in the Kansas City recordings. Uh, this was, of course, before the LP era, so these were still 78. So in this case, uh, the recordings we're going to listen to were uh, eight sides that were issued on four uh, 78 RPM records, one side on each side of the record. And it traces what we call a house rent party. And the house rent party of the day, and before as well, was a way for uh, owners or renters at a house or apartment to raise the money that they needed to pay the landlord or the mortgage company at the end of the month if they didn't have it from their savings or, or work or whatever. They would uh, have music playing and charge a quarter at the door and people would come in and listen to the music and eat food and so forth and hopefully by the end of it they had enough money to keep going for another month. This recording is called Pete's Blues, or originally The House Rent Party, and it features a uh, band full of uh, musicians whose uh, styles range from Kansas City to uh, New Orleans to swing and, and even verging into bebop as well. We're going to start out with the first track, which is Pete's Lonesome Blues, just Pete Johnson, and each one of these tracks is introduced by some talking to sort of set up the idea of what's going on. It's a build a band, as we used to call it. Uh, we begin with the piano on Pete's Lonesome Blues. Then the second tune is called Mr. Dram Meets Mr. Piano. And to that is added the drummer, J.C. Hurd, who comes in and talks a little bit and then plays a duet. Then the third musician comes in for track number three, Mutiny in the Doghouse. Doghouse was a, uh, a slang name for string bass, and our string bass player here is Al Hall. Al Hall and J.C. Hurd had both been playing or had played with the Teddy Wilson small group and many other combos as well. For the fourth track, we introduce Mr. Clarinet. Mr. Clarinet knocks twice, and he is, in fact, the New Orleans clarinet player, Albert Nicholas, who had played with the Louis Russell Band and also the Louis Armstrong Band and was doing quite a lot of combo work on 52nd Street at the time. 
And then for our fifth tune of that set, we introduce Ben for Ben Rides Out. Ben Webster, the great tenor sax player, was himself kind of a legend of Kansas City jazz. He had played with uh, Benny Moten's band. He had played with Blanche Calloway. He'd done quite a lot of work in the Southwest. Uh, by the mid-30s, he was in New York, played with Cab Calloway and uh, Fletcher Henderson, and eventually with Duke Ellington's band. And by 1946, he was doing combo work himself on 52nd Street. So those are our first four or five tunes of the House Rent Party album done uh, for Savoy Records, January 26, 1946. Pete's Lonesome Blues, Mr. Dram Meets Mr. Piano, Mutiny in the Doghouse, Mr. Clarinet Knocks Twice, and Ben Rides Out. Imagine me, Pete Johnson, all set up in my new house and nobody around to help me celebrate. Well, I guess I'll beat our little jive all by myself. J.C. Hurt. Hello, Pete. What brings you to see me? Well, I thought I'd bring my drums by to have a little session with you. That's great, man. What are we waiting for?
Well, well, if it ain't Al Hall and Jimmy Shirley. Hello, Pete. Hiya, Pete. What is say, fellas? Man, we heard you beating out all that fine jive, so we thought we'd get a little taste of it. Well, that's fine. Come on in and sit down and let your hair down and let's get in the groove.
fellas, let me in. I wonder who that can be. Well, if it ain't Ben Webster. Hello, fellas. I heard you fellas jamming out there in the street. Wonder if I could join up and play a few tunes with you. Sure, come on in. Let's cut. <laughs> first five sides of the House Rent Party album from 1946, five of eight sides. We started out with Pete's Lonesome Blues, just Pete Johnson setting the scene. He just moved into his house and he's lonesome, so had a nice piano blues there. Then we had uh, Mr. Dram meets Mr. Piano, J.C. Hurd joined in the proceedings, and we had uh, not a blues, more of an I Got Rhythm variant, a few differences there, but a, a nice show-off for Pete Johnson's stride piano abilities. He was a very good piano player, in addition to being 
uh, a stylist in the boogie woogie style. Uh, he was known uh, not only for his solo playing and playing in bands, he was a wonderful accompanist and he uh, accompanied the blues singer Joe Turner on most of his early recordings and also rejoined him uh, periodically in the 1940s and into the 50s uh, as well, and 60s for that matter too. Uh, they were quite a duo. They had played together in Kansas City and uh, they had a, a, a unique uh, relationship musically together as well. So following uh, Mr. Dram Meets Mr. Piano, we heard Mutiny in the Doghouse. And this tune, uh, I had forgot to mention there was another player on there. I had mentioned Al Hall, the bass player who came in. Uh, we also heard James Shirley, Jimmy Arthur Shirley was his name, on guitar. And he played uh, a lot of trio uh, recordings. He played with Herman Chittison. I think he played with... Uh, uh, our Tatum for a while. He also shows up on quite a few Blue Note recordings, even for some of the Dixieland uh, sides that were done with Edmund Hall, for example. So he was a, a well-thought-of guitarist at that point. Then we had Albert Nicholas join us for Mr. Clarinet Knocks Twice. Of course, he was a fine New Orleans clarinet player, but his uh, playing was beyond just uh, categorizing as Dixieland or New Orleans jazz as well. He was a, a, a good early-style swing player, made quite a few fine recordings in the 30s outside of the traditional jazz realm. And then we ended up with Ben Rides Out. Ben Webster came in and... and demonstrated his ability to heat up and cool down within the span of just a two-and-a-half-minute recording, three-minute recording in that case. He was a very fiery player, but he could be very gentle and tender on ballads as well. So we're going to finish off this album, House Rent Party, in our next set. We're going to uh, have three more sides from... Uh, this house party. We're going to start with Page Mr. Trumpet, and this introduces Hotlips Page, who was also kind of an archetypal Kansas City figure. He was, in fact, born in Dallas, Texas in 1908. He had played with a lot of territory bands. He played uh, with minstrel shows, tent shows, circuses, what have you. He remembered playing with um, uh, Ma Rainey's band when he was just a, a, a teenager, I think, or a young teenager, and he was considered one of the great blues trumpet players of his day. Day, although he could play quite a lot more as well. In 1935, he was playing with Count Basie's band at the Reno Club in Kansas City. They had both been members of the uh, Blue, Delver, Blue Devils, Walter Page's uh, Kansas City band in the late 20s before they both joined Benny Moten and stayed with him for several years. Uh, Page was a uh, singer and an entertainer as well as a trumpet player. He led his own bands quite frequently. In fact, he was given a contract by Joe Glazer, who was Louis Armstrong's manager in 1935. Uh, some people said to keep him away from Louis Armstrong so he wouldn't uh, challenge uh, Louis' popularity. I'm not sure that was really true. That might be a bit of a legend. But what it did do was it took him out of the Basie organization and at the exact moment when John Hammond was bringing Count Basie East uh, to become one of the most popular and famous swing bands of the late 1930s. Uh, Page, however, had his own big band and also lots of combos recorded quite frequently in the 40s. Uh, passed away in the late 19, or actually in the early 1950s. Uh, he was only in his mid-40s, I guess. Uh, not a very uh, old man at all. He uh, just uh, died of high living more than anything else, I suppose, but he did leave behind quite a few excellent records. So this will be Page Mr. Page, or Page Mr. Trumpet, rather. Page and Mr. Page was a different recording that he did. Following Page Mr. Trumpet, we introduce the last member of our... Um, 
octet here. Uh, J.C. Higginbottom on trombone. Higginbottom uh, was very well known in New York. He had played, of course, with Louis uh, Russell and Louis Armstrong's band. He'd also played with the Mills Blue Rhythm Band, Fletcher Henderson, uh, several times actually, and a number of other bands, as well as being a uh, very well thought of combo musician in the 1930s and 40s. And he was playing at this point in 1946 with Red Allen's band. We did a, a radio show and podcast of that band uh, a while back. Too. So he will be featured on JC from KC, even though he, I don't believe he was from Kansas City. At any rate, that will lead us to the grand finale of the House Rent Party, Pete's Housewarming Blues. And this features all hands, uh, a nice Kansas City style jam session. After that, we're going to go back in time about two weeks to January 2nd, 1946, actually three weeks, I suppose. And this was a date that Pete Johnson did with a, a similar sounding group and some similar players as well. And we're going to hear the two vocal tunes that came out of this recording date that feature Etta Jones, who became much better known as an R&B singer later on, but she was singing blues and jazz at this point. And we're going to hear... Uh, I May Be Wonderful, not the standard, but a blues tune in this case, and Man Wanted, both tunes credited to Pete Johnson. And the band in this case is Hot Lips Page again on trumpet, Don Stovall on alto sax, he was also with the Red uh, Allen Band at the time, Bud Johnson on tenor sax, excellent Texas-style player who was playing with Earl Hines and many other groups, uh, Clyde Bernard on trombone, he was active in the 20s, but he uh, became known as an as a R&B player, a trump trombone player, sort of in the, in the same idea as Louis Jordan on alto sax, he was a singer and entertainer as well. We're going to hear Abe Bolar on bass, Jimmy Shirley again on guitar, Jack the Bear Parker on drums, and as I said, Etta Jones on vocal. All Pete Johnson and his band. Pete Johnson on piano, of course. And these were also done for Savoy. So those are our tunes for this set. Page Mr. Trumpet, JC from KC, and Pete's Housewarming Blues from the House Rent Party album. And then, I May Be Wonderful and Man Wanted. Why, hello, fellas. Hello, Lips Page. Say, uh... Tell me y'all got a little session here. You mind if I join you? Sure. Come on, take your horn out and get with it.
J.C. Higginbotham. Well, I'm here, and I'm going to do the thing. Good deal. Now that the gang's all here, boys, let's get together and give this house a real warming.
But baby, I think you're wrong Can't see why you want me Cause I've been wrong so long I may look good But still I ain't right for you Yes, I may look good But still I ain't right for you I look just as good To 20 other fellas too Well, I try to be true But I just can't help myself Try to be true, but I just can't help myself I'm half true to you and half true to someone
trouble high blind as a bat or sly as a cat that man's wanted he's wanted by me Gotta be short and long, weak and strong. If he's in one piece, just send him along. That man's wanted, he's wanted by me. So there we have Pete Johnson and his band, and we started out finishing up the House Rent Party album for Savoy in January of 1946. We heard Page Mr. Trumpet, some very hot playing by Hot Lips Page. He could play blues like nobody else. Uh, He was considered by some to be the equal of Louis Armstrong as a blues player. Then some nice forthright and uh, almost brutal trombone playing from J.C. Higginbottom on J.C. from K.C. And then all hands get to play Pete's Housewarming Blues. And I'll remind you of the personnel here. On the horn section, we had Hot Lips Page on trumpet, uh, J.C. Higginbottom on trombone, uh, Albert Nicholas on clarinet, Ben Webster on tenor sax, and in the rhythm section, Pete Johnson on piano, Jimmy Shirley on guitar, Al Hall on bass, and J.C. Hurd on drums. And that was Pete's Blues, a.k.a. The House Rent Party. Then we did two tunes featuring Etta Jones singing with Pete Johnson's band from three weeks before that, January 2nd of 1946, also for Savoy Records. And this featured, or or had in its band, Hot Lips Page again, along with Clyde Bernard on trombone, Don Stovall on alto sax, Bud Johnson on tenor sax, with Pete Johnson on piano, Jimmy Shirley on guitar, Abe Bollar on bass, and Jack the Bear Parker on drums. And we heard uh, I May Be Wonderful, followed by Man Wanted, both of them credited to Pete Johnson. So we're going to hear the three instrumental tunes that came from that date that I just mentioned. We're going to hear Atomic Boogie, Back Room Blues, and the 1280 Stomp, 1280 Stomp. Uh, These are uh, all good sort of jam session tunes with a little light arrangement in there. If I had to guess who did the arrangement, it would probably uh, be Bud Johnson, who was well known as an arranger as well as a great tenor and alto and clarinet player as well. And he also played some very fine soprano on some dates. Then we're going to finish up the program uh, by going back six years to 1940, December 30th of 1940 for Decca Records. We're going to hear Hot Lips Page and his band uh, in the uh, George Avakian Kansas City uh, album we played on a previous podcast. We heard a very similar band, Hot Lips Page and his band from about a month before that, also recording for Decca. It was a band that was put together specifically for that recording date. Uh, this is kind of a reconstitution of the same band to get two more sides. I don't know if they were trying to release those as well on an album or not. It didn't come out on the Avakian album at any rate. But we're going to hear No Matter Where You Are, which is subtitled When Evening Draws Her Curtain. And uh, 
It's a nice sort of ballady blues performance with a vocal by B. Morton. And we're going to finish up with a tune called Harlem Rumba in the Blues, featuring a rumba rhythm as well as some great blues playing. And in this band are Hot Lips Page, of course, on trumpet, Eddie Bearfield on clarinet and alto sax, Don Stovall back on alto sax, the great Don Bias on tenor sax, Pete Johnson on piano, John Collins on guitar, Abe Bolar on bass, and A.G. Godley on drums. So a very Kansas City-oriented uh, band there with a lot of personnel uh, carried uh, forward to the 1946 sessions we just uh, heard before that. So those are our tunes for this particular set that will end up our Pete Johnson salute for the day. We're going to hear Atomic Boogie Backroom Blues and 1280 Stomp from 1946, in Savoy, and then the Hot Lips Page Band doing No Matter Where You Are and Harlem Rumba in the Blues from 
evening draws her curtains and pins them with a star. Remember, sweetheart, you have a friend, no matter where you are. Although he's the reasons of my earliest love, all reasons of love and I. In my most humble prayer to the master above, gee, I wished your name was mingled with mine. Don't say that you love me, but prove it. Why speak silly words like the birds? Don't soften my heart and don't mean it. Cause action speaks louder than words. When evening draws her curtain and pins them with a star, remember, sweetheart, you have a friend. No matter where you
So that was Pete Johnson and his band and Hot Lips Page and his band. So for Pete Johnson, we heard the Atomic Boogie, Backroom Blues and 1280 Stop, all from January 2nd of 1946. With Hot Lips Page, Glide Bernard, Don Stovall, Bud Johnson, Pete Johnson, Jimmy Shirley, Abe Bellar, and Jack the Bear Parker. And then we jump back to 1940, and uh, No Matter Where You Are, with a vocal by B. Morton and Harla Rumba in, Harlem Rumba in the Blues. Hot Lips Page and his band with Hot Lips, Eddie Bearfield on clarinet and alto, Don Stovall on alto, Don Bias on tenor, Pete Johnson on piano, John Collins on guitar, Abe Bellar on bass, and A.G. Godley on drums. Those were recorded for Decca, the other ones for Savoy. So I hope you've enjoyed this Pete Johnson program today. Uh, this is some very good music you don't get to hear too often. Good cross-section of um, swing, boogie-woogie, blues, a little nascent uh, rhythm and blues, maybe even a little bit of uh, a hint of bebop in there as well. So quite a lot to talk about in these sides. And Pete Johnson was, a, as we can tell, a very fine piano player, not just a, a boogie-woogie piano player, which kind of by nature was... Um, a, uh, a limited style in a way, I guess. But uh, this was a, a player who was comfortable playing stride piano, as he obviously must have had to coming up in Kansas City uh, in the 1920s, and also playing in a band. And we didn't get to hear too much of his accompaniment, uh, as it were, but um, I think you get the sense that he was a pretty well-rounded musician. So you've been listening to the Jazz Focus. My name is John Clark. If you'd like to sponsor us, please do so. We are on Anchor.fm, but we can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and here, there, and everywhere. We'd love to add some more members to the family. So thank you, and I'll see you on the other side. <laughs>